Are we talking about rotational grazing, summer grazing, grazing, grazing? Today, folks, we're talking about all things grazing, and I am really only here to keep Drew from offending everyone. Wow. I feel like that's a big setup. Join us and listen <laughs> as I offend you on your grazing practices. Hey, friends. Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, so we're coming into the end of June, yeah. which July officially starts what we in the grazing community like to call the summer slump. Do you know what that is? It's when you're in between grasses being photosynthesizing and or I feel like you're headed the right way, but what do you mean in between grasses? Like, because that's the key that I think if we can explore that a little bit, like you've got your cool weather and your warm weather. We like to say seasons. Seasons. Your cool season. Your cool season grasses and your warm season grasses. And you're like in between those. Uh, Is that right? Pretty close. It's just that, yeah, grasses are slowing down. We're getting less rain. Getting less rain. So. I don't feel like we're getting less rain. I know. Well, that was what I was excited about is our good buddy Matt was saying that there's like a a bunch of storms coming. More rain coming. More rain coming. I love July storms. I do too. It's my favorite part. Of I was just telling Lacey last night. I love it when it's like 80 degrees at night and humid and there's like lightning in the background. And the air conditioning's blowing, but you have the windows down. No, I don't like in that. the car. Oh, in the car. Yeah. yeah. Not in the house. No, no, in the car. <laughs> we also get that in the house and that pisses me off. And you have ice cream cone. <laughs> and ice cream cone. Yeah. And you can smell the cows yeah, that made you it. You can smell the cows. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. You so that up for a really good night. I like the sounds of that. <laughs> that's that's what we know as the summer slump. Um, and I think it's an important time because on my grazing chart, which if you don't have a grazing chart, you should have a grazing chart. If you don't know what a grazing chart is, I'd love to Look, talk to here, you I'm about gonna just put a grazing chart. Um, here's my warning. First of all, Drew believes firmly in the idea of holistic context which means that you need to do what's good for you. What's what's serving you, what's serving your homestead and what's, you know. Also what's serving your soil. Right. Okay. Well, that's definitely <laughs> something to take into consideration. Um, but what he, he doesn't often remember all of that when he's talking about grazing. Sometimes he thinks everyone should be doing it the one way. The right way. Yeah. <laughs> so by sometimes I mean all the time. And I want to be clear that I think there is an appropriate time to take it easy. Um, and if you're not doing it the way that he's describing it, maybe you can learn new ways to do it. But you can also just take in the information and try to ignore his judgment. Oh, there's no judgment. Isn't there? Nah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are all at a different place. It's a journey, okay. not a destination, right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one of our favorite pastimes is to drive through the country and point at pastures and talk about how terrible they are. So, right. just so you know. We like, m- my favorite pastime is that. 
including discussing it with my seven-year-old who really has an eye for the overgrazed pasture. Mm. We're oxidizing it, pastures. Are, yeah, we're <laughs> oxidizing. <laughs> Overrested. Overrested. <laughs> he's, he, he really is pretty good. He's got a good eye for all of them. I feel like Eliza comes in a good second in that. All and right, the, but the, the rest okay. of them don't even want to talk like about The it. qualifying pieces are we have A, had animals for a really long time and B, done it wrong for a really long time and C, right. ruined a lot of grazing areas for a really long time and Am I doing numbers or letters? Or he's taken a lot of training to learn a better way. So it's, you know. Like, and by osmosis, Lacey has learned all of it also. Well, I haven't learned it all, but I've learned enough to know about what you're probably going to say next. In general, about grass at any given moment. Wait, what is it? At this moment? Yeah. What am I going to say now? Oh, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it just when somebody you're talking about grass, like I, I can generally, I know where it's going. Okay. So the next step is I was at gr- glancing at my grazing chart because I like to do that every time we rotate the animals. And the grazing I happen- chart, my grazing chart, like I don't want you to envision like a pretty pie chart or anything like that. Like it's intensely. Uh, Every day of the growing season. If you don't know what it season, says, it, you won't know what it says by looking at it. Every day of the growing season, you know exactly where your animals are and where they're going. Is that a fair way to say it for the grazing chart? Yeah, it's just extensive. Yeah. It's like a blown up Excel spreadsheet. Uh, I don't know if that's fair to say. It is. What I it mean, is. I love a good Excel spreadsheet, but and truth be told, I tried to put it into a spreadsheet, but I realized it was going to take way too long. Right. That's why you printed it in a poster. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. So starting in July, I increased the amount of rest days for our pastures or our paddocks. Here on the sh- at our house. At our house and the shoe. Okay. Yeah. So we have two properties, just right. to clarify. We have the our home farm farm our home homestead. Yeah. And then we've got a property we lease and run cattle on. Right. Twenty twenty head. Twenty head right now. Yeah. And that property is terrible. Satan's pasture is what I like to call it. But we've named it the shuv. Which okay. means in Hebrew, it means the return. So, well, actually in Hebrew, it'd be hashuv. Hashuv. That's not like you're sneezing. So we just <laughs> say the shuv. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, hope the hope is that we can restore that pasture. And, you know, it's a land management project and an experiment and... It's someone else's, so it's perfect. And sometimes we're out there thinking, what in the world are we doing? Why are we doing this? And then other times what we're insane like... What pasture were we thinking? <laughs> right. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like we shouldn't identify it as Satan's pasture because then it's like, you know, it is what you tell it is. Right. Let's name it a different... It's like the Eden yeah. of the... God's pasture. Eastern Guilford County. Um, anywho, we digress. So we want to increase... We're increasing resting days now. To 45 days, 45 to like 60, depending on where we are, which is because the grass is taking longer to grow back. Recover. Recover. Keyword. Right. Not, what's the other one? Not rest. Not rest. It's recover. Recover. So I think one of the things we need to point out here is like, what's the point of, okay, so I wanted to talk about the different kinds of grazing options. Okay. So we've got three I can think of off the top of my head. One is continuous. Okay. And that's what? I'm, I like I like I'm when you define you them. Oh, uh, okay. Continuous is when you have like, let's say, 15 acres 
and you have three cows in there and they just continuously nub all the grass to the roots. Which they will do. Well, they do. Any any livestock will do. So you can tell a continuous graze pasture, especially during the growing season, because it looks like a golf course. Which is very idyllic in a lot of ways. I mean, I think it's what we think of when we think of pasture. Like, I mean, I can just envision, like, you know, even, you know, we love the show. Um, creatures great and all creatures great and small. And oh, yeah, all of their the pasture are side is just yeah. beautiful. Right. And evergreen. <laughs> okay. Um, so continuous grazing has, it comes with it a myriad of problems. So without getting too like in depth, it's destroying the soil structure and it's the, the animals are eating what they like and not what they don't like. And uh, um, you can see also in the non-growing season, you can see massive erosion problems Erosion because the, Plants have no roots. Which if you drive up, you know, we have the place inspired. If you drive through the mountains of North Carolina where there's a lot of cattle, you'll see like creek beds that are just like, you can see like caving in, hillsides caving. Pastures with just gullies through them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very common problem in areas with a lot of cattle. It's a very traditional way to grow. Yeah. So continuous grazing. Um, the second would be rotational grazing, which is a very catchy phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we started with. I would say we did that for about 10 years on our property. And and with us, it was like successive rotational. So we started with, you know, we'd run first. I don't know. What do we do first? Chickens or goats or vice versa? Goats, chickens, turkeys, pigs, you know, and like we kind of just keep going in that order all the way around our property. So they're kind of like doing a. Just chasing each other like a like a not a leapfrog like a the snake game yeah like the that's the second time that's come up in a podcast <laughs> right <laughs> twice you really like the I snake like the game. snake game. I hate the snake game. <laughs> um so ro- yeah rotational grazing is moving your animals every day or every few days whenever but moving them with no real reason behind it well is I think that too there offensive is, well. The reason is you think that you're at, I think the, what the, the selling point is that you're, you know, first, and I remember hearing it the first time. You're like, mimicking oh, nature. that makes sense. You have those, the cows go through and then they poop and then you send the chickens through and they eat everything out of that poop and like the bugs and the worms or the, the flies, whatever. And then you move the pigs through and they till it up and then you move the turkeys through and they eat all the crickets and then you, you know, come back around. So you could do that if you let it recover for like a year or two you can do it regeneratively is that what you mean theoretically the greater the impact the greater the recovery right. it would just have to be a massive amount of time what i think and, i've seen the most of though is that people are doing that and i i think it can be an effective thing i think that a lot of people are trying to mimic what people who rotationally grows on large grow on large tracts of land on small tracts of land and it's really not as effective in those situations. Right. So in our ecoregion, the southeast North Carolina, grass begins to regrow at three days, three to four days. So if you have, if you put chickens, mm-hmm. we'll use the whole spectrum. You put cows on there, they eat for three days, and then you move them off, and then you bring chickens on, that's still animal impact. 
and chickens are animals. They're still impacting the grass. And, you know, anybody that's run a broiler coop knows, like, when chickens leave, when you move them forward, it's dirt. There's nothing There's behind. nothing behind. Even if you move them a couple times a day and there's a little bit of mat, there's still a massive amount of impact. Right. So now you're overgrazing. So right. day four, you're overgrazing. You could have your chickens or your cows there for one day, move them off, move your chickens in for one day, move them off. And then you're not ever grazing. Okay. That's fair. But that's a lot of moving. We don't do it here because of the amount of moving. The other reason we don't do it is because of there's never a spot. Is never fair to say? I've never seen or heard of a spot where nature has 35 chickens following (laughs) in, in what, like 100 square feet following behind cows like the amount of impact they have to the soil biome the soil community you know the dung beetles all the flies and all that stuff that that amount of impact is not really when you think about it mimicking nature right right interesting i mean i think that's true somebody might be able to come up with a like a Whatever well, they that. might show up like maybe even in like there'd be like a flock of wild chickens that shows up for like 20 minutes. Like you let chickens out of a coop mm-hmm. and they don't all huddle around like broilers. No. You know, like that's they all go off in their own little way and scratch around and do their little chicken thing. Yeah, they do. But they don't. It's not that concentrated impact yeah. in one spot. Okay. All right. So that's rotational sort of the regenerational <laughs> So I think with rotational, the idea is that you're, you know, maybe fertilizing the ground and um, kind of cleaning up one after the one's cleaning up after the other and after the other and after the other is sort of how I think about rotational grazing. But mm-hmm. then when you get introduced to regeneration, you're more talking about what's beneath the ground than what's above the ground. Even though, you know, we talk a lot about grasses and that's how you're, that's your like measuring stick. What you're really trying to figure out is what's, how can we increase topsoil? Feed the soil. Right. Not yeah. just feed it, increase it. Right. Thicken it. Make that layer inches and inches and inches more deep. Well, essentially, that's like feeding everything that lives in the soil. Well, and I think what I didn't understand when we were doing rotational grazing is that that could happen. Yeah. So what I thought we were doing is we were, you know, kind of replenishing. So we have a lot of hard pain. We have a lot of clay. What I think I thought we were doing is if we add enough nutrient to that clay, it'll turn into dirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you get like enough manure on it. Right. Which yeah. I mean, there is a like, I feel like that's true to some mm. extent. But I think what only we weren't, roots create dirt. We weren't allowing enough recovery time. Right. We were coming back too quickly with animals. Yeah. Okay. So a big part of regenerative is like having the animals there to do like, how do you want them to act in that amount of time? You know, like taking all that into consideration, like you're bringing in a mob of cattle. What do you want them to do? What do you, what's the out, outcome of them going into that paddock? What do you want their behavior to be like? And that's where I think rotational grazing is missing is that that's not a question. You bring every traditionally rotational grazing, like the, the model that a lot of people know is like a wagon wheel where you just kind of keep going around in a circle Mm -hmm. and it's the exact same size paddock Mm -hmm. in the exact same amount of time. 
mm-hmm. where like in the spring we had our cattle in very small paddocks and mm-hmm. we moved them like every six hours mm-hmm. and then we would get to a paddock and hold them for a few days. And, you know, like every paddock you ask yourself, like, you what do I want to happen in this specific paddock? And, and that, you have to look like, okay, so right. there's, this is a bunch of thistles. And so what I need to happen is either a, your choice would, might be, to leave the cattle here even longer and then feed them hay and let them trample these thistles and break up the soil and add more nutrient or eat what they like, move on and know that the seed is in the ground. It'll come up later. Right. Or like I want the paddock very tight so that and put their water at one end of the paddock and mm-hmm. ha- they could have access to shade at the other. So they have to walk back and forth mm-hmm. and that tramples the thistle, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the, that's the action, you know? So and what regeneration means fundamentally is that, is the regeneration of soil. Right. So I think one of the things you talk about a lot as we look at the quality or the the, um, the state of our animals, and that's what we measure whether they should move or not by, like, are they eating enough? Is there enough food for them? And while that should be something that you consider, what you do with regeneration more is you look at the grass and say, does it have what it's, it needs? Yeah. So we're not feeding the cattle, we're feeding the soil. Which is a hard balance, and I would say, like, something that I'm definitely still learning is, like, I'm really good at looking, I think, myself, anyhow. I'm very comfortable at looking at the grass and knowing what, how long the cattle should be there and how to get the grass to grow the way I want it to grow. But I'm not as good at, like, are the cattle getting enough to eat? You know, like, yeah, like this setup is not, we've learned this, you know, over the years, anyways, but w- since kind of adapting or adopting the regeneration style, and especially with the shoe because it's in such disarray, we have learned, you know, not all animals are, are capable of this. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole discussion about that is yeah. adapted genetics. Yeah. So, like, bring, like you were saying, like bringing cattle in and finding genetics of animals that can behave and can handle that style because uh, a lot of the genetics for so long are continuous graze genetics. They're you know, continuous they, graze. They're, they're also supplemented. Right. Yeah. Mass, heavily supplemented. We, we were at um, the county fair and we, I probably shared this back before, but we were at the county fair over the summer and uh, our last fall, I guess. And we sat down at the booth where they were talking and there was a farmer there talking about dairy And the girls, you know, were kind of curious to hear about what does this dairy operation look like? Uh, Obviously, it was conventional. And I just remember the look on my kid's face when they said, we feed this cow 100 pounds of grain every day. Because our kids pick up even, well, our 12-year-old, she was 11 or 10 at the time, was like, she picks up 50-pound bags of feed. Like, she knows, like how much that is. I feel like when you pick, pick up 50 pound sack, you're like, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So, and to think to double that right, for per, one cow. Per cow. Yeah. One cow. Imagine moving that many bags. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's that's tractors. A it's, a, and, yeah. it's an institution, but right. the point being, you know, that there's even grass fed dairy out there where they might not do a hundred, but they're, they might have access, just like chickens, they might have access to grass, but that's not what they're going to go for first. Like any animal, like humans, you're going to go for the sugar, right? Yeah. And that's what's, gr- grain is sugar. Lena was telling me <laughs> that um, he was talking to a farmer that was telling him 
he was like, go, go to the bread store and ask them for their old bread. He's like, they'll sell it to you by the truckload. He's like, there's nothing that cattle love more than old bread. <laughs> like cake. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. So he like was yeah. feeding his cattle by the truckload bread. Like probably crap. I don't know. I'm going to assume crappy bread. Yeah. Not not like, like your artisan yeah. bread. No, either yeah. way, it doesn't matter. It's it's just like absurd. cattle should not be eating bread. <laughs> uh, well, and cattle that is eating bread will not survive on grass, right? And certainly not grass that's not like you know. Perfect. Yeah. So I mean, I think you brought up a good point of like not. So we have to like regenerate the landscape but there's an element of regenerating the genetics Mm. and like finding that balance of like working through genetics and i mean it's a horrible thing but you're gonna have cows die you know or potentially yeah or sell them before they die you know to someone that has a different context than you yeah but you have to kind of weed through the ones that aren't thriving and you will have genetics of any animal that don't thrive on pasture until you find the ones that do and then, you know, kind of have to hold on to those genetics. Right. And they're out there. I mean, I think that the, you know, the only livestock we haven't really found that with might be chickens. Um, yeah. The chickens are just like, they're just nibbling grass for fun. Well, no, I mean, they're just waiting to die. Like they're not going to thrive on their own as far as I can tell. Right. Yeah. No. Um, but I mean, that's like predators and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And are chickens really native in North Carolina? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a really important conversation. I think it's just important because I think a lot of people are throwing words around. And they're saying, well, I, regeneration, I, I have a regenerational farm, a regenerative farm. And it's like, well, I appreciate you liking that word. Right. <laughs> but you don't. And here's why. And it's not an offense. It's just a fact. Like, if you're not building topsoil... Which you can't unless you are letting the grass grow tall enough that its roots are equally tall. And that's, you know, really the measure. Like grass has to grow to a certain, it's like a tree. If you think about a tree, what's beneath the ground of a tree is usually two thirds bigger than what the tree is itself, I think, at least. It's at least the same, if not. Grass is about equal. And grass is about equal. So what you see above the ground is what's below the ground. And if it's being, I mean, anything that's mowed, that's what's beneath the ground, right? Like, and if you dig down, you'll see your shovel hits hard pan in a few inches. But what you'll notice when you're regenerating, what we've seen is that when you dig down, you take a spade, you need, you need a spade with a really long uh, spade on it, whatever it is, to, to get to the top, to end of the topsoil. And right. that's what, what our forefathers got here and found and why they were so excited about the farm. And then our... Or if I, and our, then for a hundred and our four sons, years, they destroyed it all. Yeah. Right. They they washed it down the river because when you till, when you cut into it, it washes away. So it's the sponge effect. It's the absorbing carbon effect. It's the like, it's just this beautiful, magnificent thing that the earth was designed to do. But we keep interfering with the process, like picking a scab almost. Um, let it heal. Um. And I mean, you're going to just improve the quality of your your property and what you can grow. Um, it's a really beautiful thing. And I would say, like, some things to look for is like, do you have spots of bare soil in your pasture? Mm. Like, if you have spots of bare soil, that's like a leading indicator that more bare soil is headed your way. 
So your pasture is like at that tipping point. And if you do something now and change your practices, you can increase the amount of grass. If you continue the way you're going, then more of your pasture will turn into bare soil. Mm. And bare soil is not natural. Essentially, that's what's happening because of poor management. It's called desertification. Right. So how the deserts were created was continuous grazing. And I would say like one of the things that comes up a lot is like people with small acreage say, well, like I don't have enough acreage to do that. And we currently graze three cows on about six acres of grazed area. Um, And we've just now this season gotten to the point where I don't think we'll have to put them in a sacrifice lot, but that's something you can do is you can have like one spot where you kind of park them while the grass recovers. Um, What I'll emphasize is that's not where you park them for the rest of their lives. That's like a spot where you let them let the grass recover and then you take them back to grass. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, generally you're going to have to feed them hay while they're there. And, um, but you'll see as you like rotate them through over and over again, you'll have more grass and you'll be able to maybe even have two cows, you know, if you only have one or, you know, whatever, you'll be able to double, sometimes triple as you work through it. But this is like years of work, not one season. Mm. But um, a lot, I will say, we've seen a lot happen in one season. So it's worth watching it and documenting it and um, and and learning as you go. I mean, you don't have to all or none it. Yeah. And like learning the grass species, I think is like, you know, it's just like Wh- weed. Which ones do you want? Which yeah. And weeds in the garden, kind of similar thing. Like what are these weeds or these grasses telling you, you know, like, do you have all blackberries and poison ivy? And like out of the shoe, we had blackberries and poison ivy, and now we have thistle showing up, which thistle is kind of like headed more towards grasses coming in. So it's all like in We're shifting perspective, right? There was going to be poison ivy, blackberries, and then trees. And you could see trees and shrubs coming in mm-hmm. because in our area, it's going to return to forest. So we kind of like U turned it, and now we're headed back towards grass, but it's still a mess out there Mm. but here on the schoolhouse property it's like we have more clover more fescue we have um desired species like indian grass and gamma grass starting to show up which means that our management is good and better grasses are coming in native prairie grasses you know it's kind of like the ideal situation so wherever you live like look up your native prairie grasses and see what those are and see um how you can work towards those and one of the really hopeful things about the regeneration idea is that you get to this place where you don't need to supplement with hay even through the winter you can manage so that your animals have enough on your property without needing to supplement which is a really beautiful thought right but we just i think are so in this conventional mindset that we've we didn't know that that could happen, but I mean, even big farmers are doing this in, uh, in larger numbers with larger herds. In fact, our forestry agent told us that if you weren't doing that, you were raising cattle wrong. That was shocking. (laughs) I was like, well, you should talk to all the people around here. (laughs) I don't think there's a farmer in the area that could, um, however, um, you know, it's all just, we're learning as we go. And, 
Drew has done a significant amount of training to, to be certified with Savory Institute, which is one of the big names in regenerative agriculture. Um, probably the, the name, the originator of the idea. If you're like, I want to explore this more. We, I, we love the movie Kiss the Ground. I think it's a great way to learn more about what regeneration is all about. Um, but we also, Drew offers consultations and can help you with your pasture if you're feeling hopeless about this or just want guidance and like a plan. Um, he can help you create your own grazing plan. I would love to do that. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, no, it's a really cool process. Actually, it's neat to look at your land in that way. It's very professional. I feel like it's like serious. Right. It's like a down to business approach to. And I mean, we can we also go out and like look in the pasture and Analyze. identify grasses and, you know, what's going on and help you learn that skill. Take key points so that you can come back in a year. Is my grass pasture mm-hmm. getting better or is it getting worse? I would say that my my frustration with the regenerative movement so far is that it's really hyper-focused on these large farms, like upwards of, you know, thousands of acres and thousands of pedicats. At least a hundred or yeah. more. Yeah. And, you know, the idea is that, well, these massive farms will have more of an impact, which, you know, on some level, I maybe, but I actually think that from the ground up is really like from these, these grassroots. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to say in this yeah, context. Such a fun part. Um, but is is that's where the massive change can happen when all of us small people um, have make these these changes and shifts. We can have a much bigger impact because there really is more of us, and it's not just about. I, I think we have more hands on communication with the the consumers um, than those big big time farmers do. You know, we have more of a voice with those people. Yeah. Um, and more of an opportunity to show and demonstrate the potential. Um, and a piece of this is not just applying it to our own properties, but learning it, teaching it to people and and hoping they adopt some of it as they move forward um, with what they buy and also how they manage any property they might have stewardship over. So I think it's just, you know, one of those things we just need to know and learn, relearn, re-educate ourselves on. Um, and it's it's been so fascinating because I think, it just reminds me of how abundant and how how much potential for healing there is. There's just so much potential for healing. Yeah. I think we think, and again, you know, we talked about this in one of a, a recent podcasts about scarcity and fear and how it, um, it is a tool that's used to kind of convince us that there's never enough, there's, there's not enough, there won't be enough, there can't be enough. Um, and there is way more than enough. We just don't know how to tap into it. We just need to allow nature to right. do its thing. So, anyway. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Share this with somebody that rotationally grazes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.